Welcome to Cloud Chat with Stefan and Matt. My name is Stefan Stelter, your host for episode four, along with my co-host, Matt Brown. Matt Brown. <laughs> hey, hey Stefan, how are you doing today? <laughs> doing great. So I think today we agreed we would chat a little bit about automation versus not automation. So our episode three, we talked about cloud mandate good, cloud mandate bad. I encourage you to check that out if you missed it. Well, um, why don't so we make this more Shakespearean? To uh, automate or not to not automate? To, that, that is the question. Clearly, that is the question. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and it, there's so much that uh, goes through my head when you think about automation and when you think about the promise of automation over the years. The idea of scripting things isn't new. And, and yet, uh, as, as old as I am in the IT world, you, you think about Oh gosh, you know, basic programming, but then you think about uh, the, the, the the bat files, right? You know, the first script you ever had in, encountered was the idea of autoexec.bat doing some oh, things yeah. when your system booted, and then you would have these really elaborate autoexec files where all your favorite applications were just a keystroke away in the pre-mouse days. Uh, but that lends itself in my head to thinking about, okay, when you automate things, choosing an automation framework becomes a, a question and, and maybe we'll get into that. Um, but I'm very curious around uh, your take on this, the very idea of automation and, and uh, uh, whether or not one should automate. Oh yeah, well, I, think it's a, I think it's a great topic. I mean, technology exists to make our lives easier. I mean, that's its goal, right? To make our lives easier, to make it more efficient. Um, to allow us to spend time on other things that ideally are more important. Um, but automating in a general sense without really thinking about how is it going to bring efficiencies or more importantly, as you just identified, how do you maintain and manage and support that? I remember back in those days of the auto exec file too, God forbid somebody deletes it and you were kind of screwed. Yes. <laughs> Did I have oh a backup? Yes. Did I make a backup copy? Yes. Um, which then implies whatever technology we put into place in automation, it does require high, uh, care, feeding, and support. So there's a lot that goes into automation. Um, in my personal experiences, I've seen automation play extremely well. Um, and I've seen it uh, actually complicate the issue beyond reason. Um, and I think, again, there's a spectrum there. And I think that's, again, the kind of the crux of our conversation. So I mean, I'm excited to get into that. And I'm also, you know, when you were talking about uh, what technology is supposed to make things easier, I, I, you know, my early fascinations with, with computing were in, in many ways driven by my desire to show other people how it can make their world better. And it, it oddly lends itself to some of the, the things that you're talking about from a why automate it perspective. And just because I can put it into an Excel spreadsheet or Lotus one, two, three, or whatever, whatever it was back in the day, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't. I'm curious if you've run into some examples of that sort of, is it, is it worth the effort to do the automation when maybe, maybe the question is when does it become worth the, the effort to automate? I think there's some basic tests that you have to kind of do before you decide if technology can even help you. I think the first one is, you know, is what the task is doing still worth doing? And I know it sounds silly, but sometimes technology people come in and the business people or, or to recommend a change and the business has never really evaluated whether or not that process still even makes sense. And, and so that's the first kind of tick. Does the process still make sense? The second is, is the process efficient? 
can, is the process through the manual steps as efficient as it can be? I mean, that's why we want to apply technology, but the steps have to be manually efficient first, right? Am I achieving my results uh, for a quality output? Um, and then the third thing is, well, automation comes at a cost. It's not a one and done. So who's going to manage the, the automation? How much does the automation cost to support? The implication of automation means it also probably always has to run. So there's a lot of support and architecture elements that go into that. Then you have to do that, that last piece is, is the cost of implementing it uh, justified by the process? Do you actually, would you still actually save money? And if none of those things are true, then you probably shouldn't automate. Um, and, and actually, there's probably a, 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 another one that probably needs to be squeezed in. How frequently do you do the task? If you're doing something that's, once that's every That's the quarter, one I was thinking about. Yes. <laughs> you know, we, and we, we have those conversations with, with customers and partners. It, when you, you know, context is, is everything. Uh, and and if, you're, if you're looking to share the, the great automation frameworks that you support and you're leading with something that the customer doesn't expect to have to do multiple times, their, their goal was to make their environment easy to use. So they were leveraging technology that we offered to give a, a large single namespace, for example. Uh, why would I want to create multiple large single namespaces? Right. Kind of by definition, I wanted to have one large single namespace. Why are you showing me how to automate this process that I intend to do once if your right, right. product is as easy to use as you say it is? Uh, but yeah, so, so knowing your audience, knowing the context. And then also getting, I think, the, whoever's going to uh, benefit from the automation, again, understand how they're going to support it. Let me give you a great example here. So pre-COVID, I have a whole series of automation for the house. Lights coming on, radios coming on, sprinklers, pick your thing, my garage door, <laughs> everything, everything's automated, right? When COVID happened, a lot of things were happening that we didn't need to happen anymore because we were always home. But unfortunately, I was the only one who knew how to manage the automation. So I'd get calls because I would either go out or something and the wife would call me and go, I cannot do X because it's all built into the automation, which then taught me then that if you're going to be able to automate, the people who use it have to understand how to go back and revert back to manual mode should they need to for a variety of yeah. reasons, whether the automation's down or a situation changes, you don't want the business or the task to be able to stop. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm hit by this idea of documentation. It's still important. It's still a thing. You have to document the manual process before you automate it. Not just for help in building the automation itself and understanding what the inputs and outputs are and what the impacts are, but from that business continuance aspect of it. How do I how do I keep things going in the event that the automation fails for whatever reason? And, and I've I've certainly been struck by automation situations that have where, where the automation tool has changed versions and now the, the automation code that runs inside of the automation tool no longer functions. And you think oh yeah, the, and, the care and feeding piece. Yes, that, 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 really, that, that really struck me. You're thinking about, we're trying to eliminate some technical debt maybe, or are we trying to work around technical debt with automation, but yet creating new technical debt with the automation process itself feels, uh, feels a little bit like a spiral that, could be painful. Any, any suggestions on avoiding some of those some of those pitfalls? Well, it, well, well, actually, I have more questions than I have solutions for you. <laughs> That's fair because too. Here's another to, to build on your piece. Here's another uh, challenge. Um, when you automate a process, the process just now starts happening in the background. The process loses visibility, and I would argue, without having somebody with intent going back and looking at 
revisiting those processes, you endanger yourself by having legacy outdated processes way down your business. So kind of building on your thing, not only do you have to document uh, how to support the technology, uh, be able to allow the upgrades to happen. Somebody also needs to pay attention to the process and make sure that the process still has viability um, on yes. regular intervals. There's a lot that goes into there. And you can easily see how automation in some ways can actually actually start to hinder yes. your effectiveness in the business. Is that yes, nice? and are, are, you, are you automating things um, that people are actually using, right? At, at what point is the consumption of what you've automated, does it stop in, in the life cycle of an, uh, an application, for example? And, and what resources is it consuming as a result of just mindlessly continuing that automation? Should there be uh, an automation dashboard that lets you know, hey, this automation job completed, and you know, we expect it to complete uh, 10 times a day, 12 times a day. And um, if, if that doesn't occur 12 times a day, then that, that should be something I would be notified of. You know, what, what kinds of mechanisms do you do you build or do you think about from an automation perspective to check on the health of your automation? Right. Oh. Well, and then even well, it's funny because so I did a lot of stuff in my early career in telephony, and I'm going to talk about something that all of us have very painful experiences on: voice navigation systems. When Oof. you're talking about yes. navigating your way to a, either a credit card or your travel or what have you, uh, when you first put it in, it's to eliminate the switchboard people, right? From having to direct your calls. In fact, we don't. We want to get you. We want to get you to the right person as fast as possible. So enter these twenty-five pieces of information. Yes. Do that right. And 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 again, the the intent of the automation was good, but over time, you're trying to create a better customer experience when you're doing exactly the opposite. And actually, it's taking more time. So not only do you have to consider more, the more of your customers' time, right? What are you measuring? Yeah, right. We, what, we saved all of this time with uh, with the operators. So. You know, our, our time is is optimized, but the, is the customer's time optimized? What is their experience? That that's yeah. Now, are you measuring the right things? And and which is which is another great point. So what you're calling out is the, when you're automating, when the process makes sense to automate, when there is definitely benefit because of the volume, the demand, you're wanting you're wanting accuracy. All those things are good reasons to automate. But we're calling out then is it's not just a one and done. It needs to have care, health, and hygiene to scale up. Um, you need to have understand how the, the architecture exists, so documentation. Somebody needs to support it. You, you, we live in a world that you can't have the downtime. And if certain volumes, these things can never go down. Um, then you're talking about how do you manage changes and who's going to go back and do the process review and ensure back to your metrics that the metrics aren't affected negatively by enhancements made to to the automation itself. It's quite a fascinating. Yeah, it, it is, and, and it makes me think as technologists, we need to have more sober conversations with the business when we celebrate an automation success. Yeah. So and as I think about, you know, hey, ways that have helped people with computing over the time with automation, with, with scripting, uh, just, you know, you want to show you're so proud of the result. Look, I can do this automatically. It happens. Look at it go. It's just, it's just, it's doing its thing. Right, right. Intervene. This is marvelous. And we forget to communicate the responsibility that comes with that power of the care and feeding and maintenance that you just described. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, how do we temper our enthusiasm as technologists to make sure that we're setting the right expectations as we deliver that automation. Here's the benefit. Here's what we've done. 
here's the cost and, and be, be aware of it. And we can decide to continue the manual, manual path uh, or we can, we can leverage this automation with eyes wide open and understanding that there's a, a care feeding maintenance aspect to this. Uh, and and we, we haven't absolved ourselves of the, the documentation effort that's required to make sure we can do this in the event that it fails or that something in the automation infrastructure uh, lets us down. Right, and I mean, and, and to, to build on that, what's plan B when the automation is off? For whatever reason, can't you even fail back to a manual process? Because that question will answer how important the architecture is to that automation, right? Yes. You know, and I've seen, you know, and just to kind of finish on that support note, there's been two areas in my experience that we overlook when we're rolling out automation. When people become dependent on that tool, that tool has to have equal to or greater priority than the process itself, right? In terms of uh, support status. Yes. Um, yes. Number number two, it needs to be super super secure because you can't have that again that that priority that vulnerability being affected the process being affected. And number three, you know who's supporting it? You know if Mary goes away, everybody's happy the process goes, but all of a sudden the thing fails, and now we don't have Mary, right? I yes. have the human being dependency, the 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 knowledge to be able to manage and maintain the the process as well. Um, anyway, yeah, we've are... we've we've talked a lot about. Uh sassifying some things and, and uh, choosing the automation tool, the automation framework is a, a really interesting challenge uh, for, for all of the, the ideas that are all the reasons you just mentioned. I and mean, I really like the way that you described it. The automation framework, the tool that you're using needs to have a be treated with a higher priority. It needs to, to be uh, more valuable than the process that it's automating. Um, so and thinking about that contextually is, is, is useful. And I think about uh, automation tools that have caught my eye over the years that I've, I've wanted to invest time in learning. And, and, and many of them ended up being very almost vendor specific in, in, in some cases or discipline specific. Like this is a network automation tool. This is a tool to help you automate your, as long as it's XYZ's gear, then you're able to automate it very nicely. And you know, this is a, a a compute infrastructure or IPMI, you, know, you think about you know, servers and um, infrastructure kinds of things that, that you use for means to automate. Um, are there automation frameworks that, that you like? Is there a, an automation framework du jour for you? Well, it's interesting. So the, the one that keeps popping back into my head is the whole RPA craze that we went through the last uh, uh, two years. And I think, you know, some of the it's like, it's like a lot of technology. Um, I think to some extent it started technology for technology's sake, kind of like our cloud conversations, right? Yeah. Everybody wanted to start doing it without really thinking about what was the original goal. The goal was to pr provide a better and easier access to automate simple, repeatable processes. I mean, bottom line in all technology is supposed to be that, but to empower us, the people yes. to be able to do this, right? Mere users, we can, we can dive right in and automate things we do every day. But the piece that to me was missing was almost everything we talked about. First, is the process still even make sense to automate? You know, there was no process efficiency discussions happening before RPA was injected. So we were operating, or I think there was, some, there was a lot of misguided opportunities to automate processes that probably should have never been automated. Right? They probably should just have gone away. Yes. There's no process efficiency. Technology really benefits us once the manual process becomes highly efficient. Now, I get you want to get people to do other things and refocus their efforts, 
but a bad process, a bad automated process is not only going to be have bad output, it's going to be very difficult to maintain in an ongoing sustaining format. Yeah, I want to, I want to interject just in this really core point that you made that I think is, <laughs> it's, it's so salient and it, it should seem basic and just trivial, but this idea of, okay, we're automating something that we're doing right now without questioning whether we should be doing it at all. Go back to that. It just, <laughs> just like, just because you can. Yeah. It doesn't mean you should, but, but I mean, are, why are we doing this thing? Like, hey, I do this thing. Uh, can I automate it? Well, why are you doing that thing? Is that a thing that should be done? Uh, so it, that existential question is, is an, oh, an yeah. interesting one to me. Uh, so uh, the RPA front is, is the robotic process automation. It's a, an interesting topic and it has been uh, sort of maybe ebbing and flowing from a, a, a mindshare perspective. It, it's, uh, I feel like I've seen a lot of it recently, but then it's maybe, maybe waning a bit. Uh, the, the other one that to me was really approachable um, surprisingly approachable and surprisingly broadly applicable is, is Ansible. Oh yeah. So as, as, a, as a, a tool for goodness, automating just about everything, it, it, feels, it feels like a, a really powerful way to, to make a lot of things happen. And you know, as wearing the NetApp t-shirt, I'm super proud of the way that we've embraced Ansible and provided play, playbooks for, for, for folks to get engaged and, and leverage automation where, where it fits in their environment, but being able to do DNS servers and printers and shoot, you can, you can Ansible away just about anything you can imagine. Uh, are we, how do, how do you feel about uh, Ansible in, internally inside of? I'm a, a big IT. fan. I think it's, a, it's now becoming a commodity skill. So a lot of people have the, the best practices. Um, also through people's own experiences, they realize how important it is to maintain the libraries, how important it is to do cross training so not just one person knows what's going on because they become your lifeblood they are the reason why your life is easier so the the teams that are adopting it not only are looking for the skills but also looking for how do you care and feed for this uh these libraries to to help grow and 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 really continue to help provide the benefits they do Yes, I've heard a lot of people say, well, oh, it, you just need to learn Python. It, my kids need to learn Python because <laughs> if they can, they'll, they'll make a Python library for it. Um, and while that might be, might be true, uh, there's something about having a, a framework that thinks about an automation process and not a, a scripting tool. I love Python. I use it uh, often with my Raspberry Pis because... I'm a nerd, but um, and from a and I, I wouldn't use Ansible to automate the the Raspberry Pi that monitors my aging generator uh, backup generator system. But um, yeah, it's Ansible has this broad appeal piece that I like. It, it's not only doing a certain subset of of the world. It's not only thinking about compute. It's not only thinking about storage. It's not only thinking about networking. It has this this broad appeal, and it supports you know, cross platform. If you can use Ansible to to automate Windows systems and Linux systems and NetApp storage arrays and other providers oh, yeah. arrays, and that 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 inertia feels different than some of the tools that I've I've used in the past, where it was great as long as you were going to be in this you know you were playing in this box of of things, and if something stepped outside of that box. You were really reliant on the automation tool vendor to enable that, uh, and there wasn't a real convenient way for open source to build that and, and integrate it in, because it, it, I'm not I'm not faulting the 
the vendor. It's just that the vendor needs supportability in their world. So they need to keep it in a, in a box. How, how do you pay to support these things that go fall, fall away a field of, uh, of what you're willing to invest? Um, so anyway, that, that to me was a, a powerful reason why Ansible was worth investing time in. And, and the other piece to me was the simplicity for it. It's very readable. Uh, you can understand what's happening without having a, a 40 hour course under your belt to get the, the basic principles done. You can learn it rather rapidly. Yeah. And, and uh, it has the community around it. It has the ability to share libraries. So it, it does have all the, I think the necessary elements to really build on an automation platform. So I completely agree with you. I think it's a wonderful tool and it's being used in the right ways. It's making our, our admins jobs easier by making those more repeatable and higher quality to that repeatability. We're even using it in, our, in, in, in ways for security to go back and ensure as-built remain as-built. So it has a lot of key uh, core functionality that again, not only makes our lives easier, but also uh, preserves the integrity of our systems for our company. Love it. Well, so we did the a, good and the bad. <laughs> indeed. This has been a, a delightful to, conversation to, as always. Yeah, to, to, to automate or not to automate. I think we covered some great reasons, uh, things. Yes, yeah, Why I, to automate? absolutely. High volume, when you want high quality output, you want predictable output. Um, when the output, uh, when the, the, the volume justifies the automation in terms of cost, I think that makes a lot of sense. For small, very infrequent tasks or poor, inefficient processes, probably not the best place to automate. Yes, and maybe find ways to eliminate. Uh, <laughs> eliminate. Automate, right? it's, yeah. uh, another, I think, I think yeah, that's a whole topic. I think that's a topic for a whole other conversation. When IT should just turn things off. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. The death of an application needs. Yes. Uh, well, always R great speaking with you. <laughs> Likewise, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, we've uh, enjoyed chatting with you. Hope you enjoyed the cloud chat with Stefan and Matt. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. <laughs>